that, that was perfect, that one. <laughs> Obviously. Oh my gosh. Sauce. Oh. Dude, okay, is there just something in the air? Like, I'm so frazzled. Why am I... Is it just the Christmas chaos and it's like feeding into the, Mate, the air? I couldn't agree more. I took a nap today. Okay, you feel it, right? I took a nap today and um, this was a question I've always wanted to ask you. I don't know why. Oh, I do know why because I saw one time um, you post about giving your um, campers nap mats. Yes. But I, I'm one of these people that just cannot nap, mate. If I nap, I wake up and I feel 10 times worse than I did before. Uh, yeah. uh, but I had a nap today because I'm just fried. And I think it's this podcast buzz, mate. It's the Patreons. It's the podcast. It's it's just life, mate. It's just You know exciting. what's crazy is this podcast is coming out after our first hang that hasn't happened yet. So that went well. Uh, it was awesome. It was <laughs> amazing. So, oh my god! And Billy, Billy was crazy. Yeah, and Sam, what a nutcase! But you know what? Sam means well. He does, mate. He means well. It's just he conveys it in a very odd way. But we love him for it. <laughs> Sam, put your pants on. Uh, okay, so for everybody that's listening, uh, we are recording this ahead of time because the Christmas time is coming up, and we do not want you guys to miss an episode. So we decided to do two in one week. So you guys got to hear our interview with Charlie last week talking about creativity, which was just an absolute blast because I think that singer-songwriters, and I think you can attest this way more than I can, Eddie, but I think Charlie is obviously an artist. You and I are people that forged our way into artistry, but he's an artist. He sees the world like an artist, and so getting to hear his perspective on creativity was just awesome. Yeah, he's he's one of my... Yeah, he's one of my best mates, and it's just so funny. Like, he, he's definitely an artist, mate. Even the way he just carries himself and the way he just, like, goes about life is just like, you are an artist. Like, artists yes. just live life through a different lens, don't they? And they just sort of do things so differently. <laughs> yeah, can I give you an artist story? So yes. I won't name his name because I'm not going to dog anybody out. But okay. and, and it's not dogging him out. I actually love this. But I was in a band after Simon Says, and it was... Um, I had left Simon Says and this guy had left his band, which was like a platinum selling band. And he called me up and he said, hey, I heard you left your band. Would you like to be the drummer in a new project I'm doing? And I said, yeah. And he's like, all right, I'm going to move from New York. Do you have a room? And I'll just move to Sacramento and we'll do this. And I was wow. like, OK. And this was somebody that I re- I mean, he was he still is up there in the Phil Collins world for me as far as I, it was just a dream to work with him. Anyways, long story short, we start our band. Music's going great. We're re- we're tracking everything, doing our demos, and it's time for us to start. We started getting some radio play, and we're still doing this all on our own. And it was time to do some promotion stuff. So, myself, this artist, and our bass player, we sat down to have like our band meeting about how are we going to promote our new single. Here was his idea. This was amazing. Um. <laughs> We are going to now. First of all, the choice of English is awesome. This is a this is a dude from New York. So uh, he said, "Well, I think we should rent a Zeppelin." I I didn't even know what that was. I'm like, "Wait, you mean a blimp? You want to rent a blimp? Okay." And I'm thinking we're going to ride this giant Zeppelin. He's like, "We should rent a Zeppelin, but not one that we could ride on." I'm like, okay, understand that. Something that's maybe like the size of a VW bus. Okay, cool. And he's like, and it'll have our logo on it and it'll fly over the city of Sacramento. And then we'll hire an archer to shoot it down. Oh. And whoever's backyard it lands in, they get a free concert. <laughs> oh my. 
Now there was no, no laughter because we had to be like, yeah, man, okay, yeah, okay. We'll and I was like, do that. you just not know that it's this isn't the Hunger Games? There are laws. <laughs> you can't just pull out a freaking bow and arrow and start shooting it. I things, love man. it, mate. I love it. But yeah. that's how artists see things. Like he was like, well, what do you want to do? Like put flyers on a telephone pole? You know? And I was like, no, it's a great idea. For a song or a movie, but not for reality. Yeah, that's, so anyways. that's why they all have managers, mate. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like they, yes. they need someone to put their, their sort of crazy, but yet really cool ideas into sort of like into, into action. Um, and it, I've yeah. always experienced like a certain, probably one member per band I've been in that is always like that, just creatively just like a wizard and it's just so sick, but at the same time, just just crazy. And you're like... Okay, if we can take 90% of that craziness and just add 10% of sort of normality and a bit of just, right. you know, sense to it all, then we've got something right. good. Um, yeah. That's why I and never want to be a manager. Thing. Never want to yeah, be a oh manager. Oh my gosh. Fuck I couldn't that. even imagine. I, I couldn't even imagine. But no, I mean, I think it's one of those things that when you don't have it forcing creativity, it is possible. I mean, you can sit there and just be like, all right, I guess I'm going to have to almost mathematically figure out how to be creative and put myself in a zone. And I do believe that creativity, even though I, people like Charlie um, and like true artists, they're, they're just gifted with so much more of it. I do think you can almost, I think creativity can be a skill that can be learned. You can learn how to get yourself into a creative zone. You have to carve out time. I mean, it's really simple. If I asked a drummer, do you want to learn this lesson on a PDF on a piece of paper or do you want to just solo for five minutes? That divides us into, are you creative or are you not creative? Yeah. Um, and honestly, to me, the the PDF is, it's just such an easy road to go down. Like the notes are there. I don't have to, all I have to do is put in the hours. But the creativity is the hours plus the mental battles and the frustration where I think an artist is like, don't make me look at a paper. Let me just express myself. And so, um, and obviously then, then we find people that have just a great balance of both. So yeah. I really enjoyed doing that episode and I hope that Charlie will join us in the future. Oh mate, he will. It, he will. It definitely did not seem like a, uh, a <laughs> British superstar was joining us. It seemed like three drummers hanging out, which was our goal for him. You know, yeah. like, let's it, give Charlie a chance to be a drum bro. It was really cool for me as well, just to have like two of my mates who have never met, just like meet over like Zoom and just chat drums and just chat life. Oh. It's wicked. As I soon knew- as we hit the Deftones far yeah, stride, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh my God. That's the thing, mate. He's, like, he's such a musical, like just nerd. And it's so fun to play in a band with people like that, mate. It's just amazing. Um, That's awesome. And man. yeah, mate, it's wicked. But I definitely think you are an artist. I think I think you are. Well, sure. I think uh, I think you are a dodo head. So yeah, that's cool. I, I'm going to bring in our <laughs> Oh, is he here? Uh, he's about to be here. Woo! So we are bringing on, we're doing endorsements 2.0. So we are bringing on Chris Brewer, the A&R for Minel USA. This is the person I deal with on a day-to-day basis here in America. And this should be a lot of fun because we can finally get some true insight. So let's bring him on now. All right, Mr. Brewer, welcome in, my friend. Hey, man, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. You got it, you got it. So it's Endorsements 2.0. We covered a lot of stuff from the artist perspective, but we thought it'd be really cool for this episode to bring you in and just get an A&R's perspective. So for everyone that's listening, Chris, is your official title Artist in Relations for Minel USA? My official title would be Artist Relations Manager, USA and Canada. Ah, beautiful. Nice. Very nice. I will address you as such from now on. <laughs> We're not really big on titles around here. Actually, I think I took my title off of my business card because I just thought it was kind of pretentious. 
Nice. I like that. Love it. Love it. I like that. Well, you have been my A&R, and so a lot of people that don't know how I became a, a minor artist, I'll give kind of a, a quick rundown because it was unique and it was something that caused us into a, a long-term friendship, and we've done a lot of things since, and uh, you've been very instrumental in my career, but uh, about a decade ago, Benny Greb came here. He was pretty unknown in the U.S. He was just starting to kind of get some recognition. He came here, and w- him and I hosted a camp together, and our compromise for that camp was that we were going to share some gear, and so I decided that it, we could use his symbols, especially since I didn't know anything about Meinl's professional line of symbols at that time. And at that time, I was playing for another company. And after a week of playing his cymbals and making fun of him about his cymbals and him making fun of me for mine and all of that and just, you know, general joshing back and forth. When he left, I had to ship his cymbals back to my USA because you let him borrow those. The problem was I didn't want to let them go. And I kept playing them and kept playing them and kept playing them. We ran into some problems with that. And then around that same time, you were looking for a PDF that should have been attached to my website because you were working on some shuffles and you contacted my wife, which was customer service for our website at the time. And then all of a sudden you and I are on the phone and you were like, look, I'm not right now the A&R for Minel. I just need this PDF. And I'm like, I know, but but the 18 inch extra drive, <laughs> could I get that in a 19 if, if I was just to buy it on, on, a, on a music store? And then all of a sudden, a little while later, you and I just became great friends, and then my relationship with Minel started, and it's it's been really cool because we've had a chance to really set some long term goals for the company and for my career, and it I can just say this flat out, it just wouldn't have happened without Minel. So thank you for everything you've done, man. Jeez, all shucks, man. Thanks for yeah. the accolades. It's nice to hear. Okay, so first question uh, that Eddie and I have for you is what is an endorsement when it comes to the world of drums because i think right now with social media we're seeing so many different things we're seeing influencers doing ads and getting paid by different companies to talk about a soda but endorsements at least from my knowledge from the time that i learned about them as a teenager to now have remained pretty much the same so what is an endorsement from your world i would say that if you're going to boil it down to its barest uh, form, it would be an exchange of gear support for marketability. That's, that's what I would say. Now I do understand that our world is a bit different than what's happening with social media influencers for other industries. Yeah, they get paid. And um, in our industry, there's been some that have said, well, maybe we should get paid too. To which I would say, well, you are being paid slash compensated in the form of gear. Now, not everybody has the same deal. So there are some guys out there that have not had to pay for gear in year, pay for gear in years. You know, your Steve Gads, your Dave Weckles, guys like that. Then you have guys that get a certain amount of free gear and then a discount beyond that. Then there's some guys that just get a discount, but either way, the whole exchange is you're compensated with gear you would have had to have bought anyway. Some people don't find that to be fair at all these days. There are some people that think that's it should be much more than that. And then there's plenty of people that are very cool with it the way it is. Well, I think one thing that gets left out is the difference between, let's say um, I was sponsored by this water company, which I am not, and they were giving me money. 
that would be I'm getting paid to talk about this water company. But the difference is, and this is what I've noticed in the influencer world, and maybe you can speak to this too, Eddie, since you run a shoe business as well, but this water company is not going to go out of its way to build my career so that I can then eventually profit off my own likeness and off my education and off of clinics. They just need me to talk about their water in exchange. I get cash. Well, Minol, Aquarian, Tama for Eddie, they've actually gone out of their way to say, hey, you don't know about these drummers yet. So we are going to help build their profile so that they can stand on their own. That's a massive difference. Massive difference, yeah. I mean, that's the same with me, really. Yeah, it's uh, they you're you're giving them something, but they're giving you way way more back. Longevity, credibility, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you guys on that. I think that's I think that's I think it's fair. I think it's fair, mate. Plus, drum gear is very expensive. Very expensive. Yeah, so, it's uh, not a bottle of water. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Especially when you're like, I mean, I remember being at DW when Rush was about to do another tour with Neil and they were like, hey, just if you want anything like a hi-hat stand, you should order it now because our entire yearly budget is about to go out the window to build Neil a new kit and a <laughs> stage and to have it steampunk style. And I was like, OK, so um, so, Chris, I have to ask you and I. We can go into this conversation assuming that not all companies are the same, not all endorsements are the same, and something that you might do for an artist might not happen at a different company. But that being said, you guys went way out of your way when I was just becoming like a, an educator on the internet. You went way out of your way to build my profile. You you went... I mean, you really did get me on the cover of quite a few magazines, which to be a drum teacher on the cover of magazines, that was insane. And then you got me on a lot of drum festivals that I couldn't get on by myself. And because I got on those festivals, it's kind of like this cool kid club where as soon as you're on one, the people that book festivals attend festivals. So they come up to you right after the festival and say, hey, would you like to do ours in Italy? And would you like to do this one in Spain? Is that part of your plan going in like, OK, well, if we sign this person, we also have to develop them because we believe in their future, but they don't have a name right now. They're not a household name. I mean, Annika is a great example of somebody that was not a household name until Minel started really pushing things. And then it all just kind of stood on top of each other. Yeah, I would say that the word development is a good way to put it. Do we have some grandmaster plan that's laid out in a PDF document? As soon as we sign the ink with that new artist, no, we don't. In our industry, well, that's not fair. Uh, in my world, my immediate world, you just sort of make things up as you go along and you base that off of prior experience and then instinct as well. So no two artists being the same, some may have sort of a similar path that you can take with two different artists, but... <clears throat> uh, you just have to make it up and decide how that artist, based off their temperament and their skill sets, where you can fit them in in what you do. It's super important, I think, for everyone to understand, like you said, that your situation can't be – I can't look at Thomas Lang and say, why is he getting this and I'm not? Why am I getting this and he's not? It's it's such a unique situation and I think that that's, that's one thing I've never understood. And Eddie, I would love to know how you feel about this, but I know you're tight with Ian at Tama. How in the hell do A&Rs have the time to make all of us feel like 
we're special and we're valued. I don't yeah. I don't understand why there's only there should be forty A and R's at every company. How do you deal with this insane amount of artists? I know, mate. I don't I don't get it. It's, I I always compare like the A and R's in the drum world to like the the labels. You know, like the major labels. It's like <clears throat> um. It's near impossible to sort of, like you said, to plan for anything because you never know which route it's going to go down. And especially for drummers as well, I find it really interesting in this world where you can have a um, a, a sort of well-known drummer, but they're just a band guy or girl. And then you can have a well-known drummer, but they just play clinics. And it's like, it's two different, it, they're, they're two completely different things and it's catering for both. That must be really, really hard to do as well. And then it must be really difficult when someone from the band world wants to get into the clinic world and you've got to sort of explain how different that world is. Do you know what I mean? That was pretty much what happened to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, As far as juggling all the different artists you have to deal with and making them all feel special, I think it's just sort of down to your daily discipline. Um, You do have to have a game plan going into each day and then you have to have some amount of flexibility because while you've got... A, B, and C planned out for the day. Well, then D pops up and it's an artist that takes two hours of your time on a phone call where there's something urgent. And um, you could get irate about having those two hours taken from you, or you could see it as a positive and say, well, I, I need to give this guy his time. He deserves it. Otherwise, why did I sign him in the first place? So that's one way... Uh, that I think about it is why did I sign this person in the first place? And that has to do that, that definitely influences why we have such a low number of artists, at least in my world for the U S and Canada, I deliberately keep it low because I would rather make everybody feel as good as possible rather than just sign, sign, sign. And then be spread too thin. Yeah. Talking about what Eddie was speaking about going from band to maybe, changing career paths when they're already a current artist. Yeah, that's uh, an interesting conversation to have. I don't have it too often, thankfully. Um, The one that I've seen more has been, and you've seen it this year, has been everybody trying to become a teacher. Oh, wow. Yeah, mate. You're preaching to the (laughs) choir, mate. This is mine and Mike's conversations pretty much every single day of our lives. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't really have people asking me for advice too much, but I have seen it. Uh, as far as switching career paths, for a while there was there, there were the guys that were on the road and then they were wanting to be clinicians. And clinics, at least in the U.S., for a while now have sort of, uh, they've not been a thing, really. It's a very expensive venture when you can put all that money into something like video content and reach far more people. Now, there's pros and cons to both, but anyway... Um, you know, to be quite honest, I don't have that conversation too often. Changing career paths, that is. That's awesome. I mean, you know, and I think that maybe that also comes down to the fact that you're signing a lot of people that already know who they are and they're not in flux too much. Uh, speaking of signing people, what do you look for in a potential artist? And I mean, run us through the gamut of like how important is social media? How important is it that they're amazing at the drums? Is it is their attitude? Does that come into factor followers? All that kind of stuff. So this will sound really um, idealistic, but the first thing I look for is: Are they cool? Are they a good person? Mm. Am I dealing with a guy who, right now, even though or gal, even though they're a great player, 
am I going to be really tired of them a year from now and just wishing that I didn't have to deal with them as a person? Because at the end of the day, it is relations. That's part of the word. So first and foremost, good person, easygoing. Uh, Do they have crazy expectations? If they do, then even if they are a really big deal drummer, and there actually have been a few bigger deal drummers that were looking to switch from one company to ours, and they were, quite frankly, just a giant pain in the rear. I I just knew it would be terrible. Um, You know, Udo from Meinl Germany told me a long time ago, if you don't have a headache, don't give yourself a headache. (laughs) Well, that is amazing. I love that. You know, I've thought of it quite often. Um, So, yeah, that's the start right there. And then the next thing, obviously, what's going to attract you is their their drumming first. So you see their drumming, you see what they're doing, and uh, that's the thing that draws you in. And then everything else follows that. Once you reach out to them, are they a good person? And then you want to know what they're doing. Social media is definitely a huge thing these days. I mean, it's mattered more this year than ever, of course. Of course, Mm. sure. That's a big deal. Um, do you do you physically sit there and just like go through Instagram regularly and like check out new dramas and stuff? I've I've always wondered that. I know Ian at Tama, he he kind of does that, but I just always think, do you guys have the time? But you must be doing it. Do you know what I mean? Do you do you sit there and just look through Instagram and see who's following who and just have a, an hour or so just to go through and browse or or not? It's really sporadic. You fit that stuff in when you can. I don't a lot an hour a day or there's not a like, okay, this is my hour to browse through social media and see who's kicking ass and who's not. I don't do that. I See, that's, that's good sort to of, know because I feel like a lot of people w- want to know that specific question. Like, are there people consistently watching? Yeah, we get tagged a lot. And that's okay. That's cool. It's helpful. But no, I don't, I don't sit around and, and browse for an hour a day. I just do what I can when I can. And and sort of like one thing, it's going down the wormhole. One thing leads to another. And maybe you weren't even looking for anything, but you stumble upon something. The way it works for all of us on social media, whatever we're looking at, you just stumble on one thing to the next. And all of a sudden, oh, wow, I didn't know about this guy. Um, But yeah, the the social game is huge. Uh, Even if it wasn't the year of COVID, it would still be a huge thing. That's been a difficult conversation to have with guys that come from a touring world. You can have a drummer who, okay, I'll, I'll just be crazy honest here. This is a great example. Okay. So I'm in Nashville and I have an extremely small number of, of guys from Nashville that are artists on a roster. And a lot of drummers here in town, they're touring when it's touring time. They're out touring and they're playing behind artists, guys with cowboy hats and guitars and sort of pop country groups, and and they're the hired gun. Well, they're they're going out and they're the support act in a, an arena or they're the headliner in an arena, but it it doesn't really help me because drummers aren't going to those shows. No one says, you know, holy shit, I'm going to go check out the drummer for whomever tonight that's playing down at the arena, the the country act at the arena. Um, And if that drummer doesn't have something happening, say social media wise, which is where all drummers hang out looking for other drummers to follow, to be inspired by. Yeah. 
um, then there's not much there. And that's been a difficult conversation to have with some of these guys because I really respect the work they're doing. I respect the time they put to get where they are. And so it almost feels like I'm like I'm uh, saying, you know, what you're doing is not really worth anything. That's not true. It just doesn't help get the message out now the way it used to. Used to, yeah. that could be a calling card. Um, you could put it in a print ad in a magazine. Right. Yeah, the world's changed a little. I mean, Eddie's a perfect example of somebody that was playing to – We on this podcast, we always call it the gumball test. But he was playing to massive audiences all the way up until – I mean, last year. What was your last show with Busted, numbers-wise, uh, Eddie? Uh, Wembley. So, I'd, yeah, it's like, what, 15,000, 16,000 or something? <laughs> <laughs> so okay <laughs> I, 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 that's i didn't know what club it was but club club wimbley perfect okay so you're at you're at wimbley but it's like i gotta say i bet your clinic a month later with marco miniman was more valuable to your symbol company and your drum company than the wimbley thing besides the social media pictures you got out of it which were mostly from your back yeah exactly and wait, this is this i i i I hope um, some drummers who are playing in like some big gigs right now really like take on board what we're saying, mate, because I, I remember doing some, yeah, like some, you know, good shows and always having a camera and always just trying to like utilize the opportunity to show a peek behind the curtain, talk through the gear I'm using and blah, blah, blah. And when I see drummers play these amazing shows, I'm sure you guys agree. And they're not making content. They're not taking pictures. They're not utilizing it as much as they should be it's like you're missing the trick here, boys. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't matter that there's 20,000 people in front of you. What matters is, is that your A&R and these companies want to see that you're utilizing and showing the drummers that are sat at home what's going on at the show drumming-wise. It doesn't really matter. Like, yeah, like we say, the, the gumball test, it doesn't really matter how big yeah, your shows are. It's just, it just pains me when I see all these amazing drummers playing these huge shows and they're just not utilizing it. And I just think, mate, come on, man, just get your camera out and just get a GoPro out and just talk about what's actually going on. Yeah. yeah and I think it just comes down to, sorry, Chris, I didn't mean to interrupt, but it comes down to just understanding what your value is. And I think value is probably the most key word when it comes to endorsements, at least from the artist perspective is we need to understand how are we valuable to this company and I have no problem with somebody that's a touring artist playing with a massive country artist and just says, like, honestly, I just don't care, man. And it's like, OK, well, you just need to understand your value. You're playing to ninety nine point nine percent non drummers every night, even though your mind and your eyes are seeing 20, 30, 40,000 people. If we got rid of everyone that's not a drummer, you'd be in a room of four humans. So the value between that and then, say, Annika playing to a room of 200 drummers, it's like, yeah, but she's only playing to 200 people. It's like, yeah, but throw out a handful of gumballs and every gumball will hit a drummer. You can't do that at a, at a giant pop concert. Yeah, that's basically it in a nutshell right there. And I really do need to, just to be sure I'm being respectful of everybody that I mentioned earlier, it takes a lot to get to that point where you are playing to 25,000 people. Oh my God, yeah. Oh yeah. You had, you had to utilize a lot of... Um, of your earned skill sets in order to be able to get to that point. And nine times out of 10, you got there because you were also a very cool person. Um, and yeah, good point. Eddie, you're totally right. If you're going to be out there doing that and you want to be a value to your companies, create the content that helps give everybody a peek behind the curtain. That is super helpful. Um, as far as value goes, knowing your value, that's a funny thing you said, because 
people can often convince themselves of their worth and they're and they're basically not understanding why maybe the company might not agree with them about what that worth is and <laughs> i i've had some people who have tried to convince me that and you know i think i've used this um this analogy before it, it, um simile actually because i'm getting ready to use the word like so um <laughs> it's kind of like somebody who tells me that they're playing every other weekend at slingshots out in Vestal, Tennessee, and they have two guys come up to them and ask them about the symbols they use, and they can tell them about it. And hey, man, you know, I'm I'm putting it out there. <laughs> I don't really know how to respond to that other than just say, "Cool." Well, they and they also they never say two guys. They they say everyone asks me what kind of symbols I play. Yeah, exactly. And it's like everyone, like at a mall, everyone. <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. what do you mean by everyone? You mean the two guys that were hammered and spilled beer on your kit? Right. You know, so, yeah, I think that, you know, I've always had it's so funny. One of the things that Eddie and I clicked on 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 episode one that we were shocked that we both did. And this probably leads into our imposter syndrome episode. But we both kept the receipts from our private students that bought, you know, gear that we were endorsed by in case our companies ever tried to drop us. We had this shoebox of receipts to be like, no, 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 I've sold like a hundred thousand dollars worth of gear this year. Because, I mean, I was a private drum teacher and Eddie was teaching, you know, privately as well. And we wanted to make sure that, like, I, I hope you guys know what I'm out here trying to do because I can't publicly say and another Gretsch snare drum sold because of my influence. So we can't do anything about it. But we used to be so paranoid. We kept the receipts of our students and our friends, you know. And so I've always had a 10 to 1 rule. Like, I've never asked you for anything for my personal kit. I've never asked Gretch for anything that I didn't think if you sent me one, I will sell 10 of these minimum. Um, Cause then I know that on cost it's like, okay, well then we, I know I didn't lose the company money. I mean, that's what I've at least tried to do. Now we have a lot of, this place is a little bit different cause we have a lot of gear here that really, I consider it as a rental. If you ever asked for it back, it's like, well, it's not my gear. My gear is on my kit, but we have a ton of symbols here that everyone sees in the videos because they're here for our drum camps and for the students to try out. Um, but as far as when I when I call you and say, okay, I really want to, I, I really want this ride symbol. You know, the last thing um, that I asked for was the 22 inch uh, Foundry Reserve light ride, and I. I have pictures of the people that have bought that ride because it's so heavily featured in all of my videos. And I think that that's something that's important for people to understand is just, you know, you and I have talked privately, Chris and Eddie, I'm sure you've seen this from your companies too, but if we could just get people to go and see a symbol be made from scratch, they would value it so much differently because of how much work goes into that. You know, it's insane. But a lot of times you just get used to like, hey, man, I cracked three crashes. Can you send them out on Wednesday? Thanks, bro. And it's like, <laughs> OK, yeah. that's a dude in Turkey <laughs> like so just sitting there trying to make more symbols. So I, I think it's really important to try to get artists to understand what they're asking for all the way back to the beginning of this conversation. Like, well, they don't get paid money. It's like, God, yeah, but we were talking about bottles of water versus you know, the blood, sweat and tears of a guy making hand making symbols or bending shells together or whatever it is, you know, you know, um, so, you know, what? sorry, mate, sorry. You know, what? I've just got a question for you. Um, you know, we're talking about worth and, you know, playing in front of a large crowd versus actually how many people care about what you're doing and, and the engagement. Is that the same for you on Instagram? So let's say you see a, a person with 100,000 followers, but their engagement's really bad. 
is it more important for you to look at engagement and look at the community that they have as opposed to the number they have? Absolutely. So if a person has 100,000 followers on Instagram and every post they've done for a while now has had an engagement of maybe 1,000 views and then people are asking them in the comments section about their gear and then it's just crickets. The artist isn't replying at all. I don't care about those 100,000 followers at that point because this person isn't engaging and they don't seem to have much engagement in the first place. The percentage of their followers is pretty slim. I think that's going to be really positive for people to hear because I think that's the thing that people get so um, sort of caught up on, isn't it? Like, oh, I haven't got this many followers, so why wouldn't why would a, a company be interested in me? And I feel like that's a, such a, a positive message for people just to be like, it doesn't matter, mate. It's all about engagement and just build that community. Yeah, and going back to what Mike said about the 200 people at Anonica Clinic, it's important. If you have, if you're on Instagram and you're trying to build it up and you're a drummer and you have 3,500 followers, well, if you do a really good job at bringing those people in and having them engage and then you are in a conversation with them every time they make a comment, you're you're doing a great job. That's really valuable right there. I That's something I'll take a look at for sure. Yeah, I love that. Juno agrees. <laughs> Juno is like really into it. She's, She's like, like, hell yeah. I need that Foundry Reserve light ride. <laughs> um, you know, Chris, I was just going to ask you, I, I'm sorry, I just went to... <laughs> Seriously? Not now. Uh, <laughs> I love you too. You're, I know. I know. I, Does she have to this poop? Is, no, this is her bone time. Uh, she gets a bone at 10 a.m. and it's like 9.50 and she can just feel it. And But I can't get up and give her a bone. So she'll, she'll work it out. But I, I did notice you guys, I think it was on, I saw it on Instagram yesterday, but you posted a video of a drummer. Uh, man, I, I can't remember who it was. But anyways, I went to his page because I'd never heard of him before. And he had 3,500 followers uh, on Instagram. And I just thought like, okay, well, this is a, an example of the value of an endorsement. I couldn't, I don't think I could have found this person on my own. Meinl has gone out of their way to put this person in front of me and say, hey, we believe this is somebody that's going to be part of the future of the drum industry. And we were standing behind this person. And then I clicked follow. And so that person got another follower because... You said even though the following isn't there, the engagement is great, the talent is there, and it's a good person. I, I just thought that was really good proof of everything you've said so far. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that a person may not have much going on in the social world, but if they're incredibly easy to get along with, low expectations, just they carry a an attitude around with them of of, of being grateful about just things, anything that comes their way in life. And I don't mean grateful towards me or mine. Just, you know, I don't want people to follow over themselves saying thank you. I just mean that they have a heart full of gratitude and then they're an insane player. Dude, I can work with that. I'll, I mean, we'll, we're a content machine. I'm happy to bring a guy here or a girl and have them uh, in front of the cameras and, and put content out. And, and this leads me to a question that I, I actually have for you guys because I'm curious to know what you think. So um, with some of these changing opinions lately about what should be the compensation for an endorsement, what do you guys think when you hear drummers say that uh, people are being exploited by the companies, that we're making massive profits off of these people um, 
and not really providing anything in return? I mean, I think you've already answered the question, but is there any any value, any interest in what they're saying? Um, it's it's weird because I don't really want. I don't really have many friends, mate. So I don't really talk to many many drummers, to be honest. And I and the drummers that I do speak to, it's like we are very much aware of how actually you know how, how the reality of this industry and how big it is and well how small it is, you know, and how it's not like any other industry and it doesn't work like any other industry. And I feel like um, I've never really experienced that from for me personally. But I feel like I'm very happy with how things are i think i think when an artist like we've been talking about gets to the point where they're playing in front of thousands and thousands of people their ego may actually just get the better of them and and start to think that that's because of them and then when they look at the the artists they're playing for getting all these deals and brand deals and getting paid 20 30 grand for this and that they start to look at themselves and go well why can't i get that and it's just i think it's a bit of a a reality check mate i think when all these musicians um when they first start playing the drums you know I used to I I remember that feeling of walking into the shop and just going I want that and walking away with it and being so happy and then I remember the feeling of signing my first deal and I remember the the feeling of getting my first sort of package to the door and blah 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 and then I think over time the more you do the more that feeling sort of naturally just goes away and you start for you start to look for other things that are going to sort of satisfy you but in reality mate if you're a drummer if you're a pro drummer and you're touring or you're teaching online or whatever you're doing you're getting free product and that brand are pushing you and helping you just have longevity. I think that's, I think that's very, very fair. I think that's very fair. Um, I could have probably put it a little bit more sort of elegantly, but I just think sometimes, mate, I think it's just flipping egos, just getting in the way, mate. And I just think, you know, I've had it, mate. I've got a lot of, I've known a lot of people doing, doing, you know, playing these huge gigs and it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing that. And I'm doing, mate, it's like, yeah, mate, you are just the, you know, no disrespect, but like, I need to say what I'm going to say because you are letting your ego get in the way. It's only, you know, um, I don't want to say you are only the hired gun. That's that's not what I mean at all. But I sometimes think that needs to be said when that person is letting their ego get the better of them. Yeah, I think you have to think about it from the their perspective on the drum chair. Let's say they look out and see 15,000 people. And then we tell that same drummer, okay, so tomorrow night when you're in New York, um, it's just going to be you. The The band isn't going to show up and we're going to let the crowd know ahead of time. The band won't be here. It'll just be you. Let's see how big the crowd is. Well, we went from 15,000 to 11. So were you, were you bringing in 15,000 or were, was your, was Taylor Swift doing a little bit of the legwork? So I think that that's something that you have to think about. The, the other thing is it's a complete lie that you can't make money off of your endorsements. If you have, if that company has gone out of their way to build you the way that my companies have, and I've been so lucky to have that, and Minel has, you know, been a massive part of that. Well, I have a signature ride symbol, and I get royalties off that, and I have a signature cowbell, and I have a signature snare drum, and that you is a large portion fucker. of income that I get <laughs> throughout the year. What's, what are you laughing at? I said, I said, you lucky man. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, so it's like I do get paid for that. And then I go do a clinic tour in the UK and I get an, a nightly fee and Minel contributes to that fee in a large way. And then I do festivals and Minel contributes to that. So I would I, I honestly think at the end of the year, if I t- tallied up my signature royalties and my clinic fees, I think I probably get fairly well overcompensated. And that's not even thinking about the gear. So 
I think a lot of times if somebody thinks that they should be more compensated, my thought immediately is you should work harder. Like brilliant point, man. Yeah. Sorry to put in. I just feel like you know, in in another episode when you said this, this certain person called me a hustler and whatever. And I feel right. like, well, that's what fucking musicians should do. They should actually right. just think a little bit more and do a little bit more because it's not the nineteen fifties, mate, where you get fucking millions of pounds for playing or using this or you know, it's it, the times have changed, and I feel like. Anyone who's listening to this, I, I'm I'm not like having a go at anyone here. I I really just want to encourage people in a positive way to just 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 think a little bit more and just do more, man. Just create more content, create more sort of pieces of uh of 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 work and whatever you want to call it, and just like you're saying, Mike, just work a little bit in other yeah, be areas. Be scrappy. Think outside the box. You know, try to create something that hasn't been done before, and then as soon as people catch up to you. You know, you have to move on. That's why I love the Deftones so much. They put out an album. They wait for the entire metal industry to catch up to them. And by then, they've already put out their next album, which has reinvented the band. And everyone's like, damn it, we missed it again. And it's like, you know, I just, it, it, I want to be like what happened to Ska 20 years ago, where like, no doubt hit it big. Everyone ran out and bought a trombone, but they didn't realize that no doubt recorded that album five years ago. And it was already over before it started. And it's like, that's what I want to be. I want people to be just grabbing at smoke and be like, oh, Johnston did it again. Oh, he's gone. He's he's changed the game. And it's like, and I get swooped a lot. There's a lot of times where I have something in my mind and then I just log on to Instagram. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding. I should have acted faster, man. Now I can't do that. And I got to move on to something else. And that's part of being an artist in any genre is you got to be scrappy. Chris, what were you going to say, buddy? Um, I think all I was going to say based off of the question <clears throat> that I had asked and that you guys answered was uh, it's, it's piggybacking off what you just said about the things that you do receive from working with a company. There's also things you can't completely quantify. So every time we put out content that features you, there could, as in theory, be somebody that signs up for six months worth of lessons. Maybe you have a new customer because of that. So there are residuals that none of us can ever put down on paper and say this for a fact happened, but we all know that it does happen. Um, I think the final thing I would say about that is that no one's forcing anybody to be in an endorsement. If no one likes the arrangement, if someone doesn't think it sounds good, don't do it. And, um, and if you think someone else shouldn't do it, it's okay. It's your prerogative to tell them not to do it, but uh, we're definitely not, the man, you know, sometimes <laughs> right. people think of companies as, as like the man. It's like, no, dude, we're just all trying to, you know, a rising tide lifts all, all ships. Yeah. And I think that the most valuable thing in an endorsement is not the gear, especially for most people, you know, besides touring musicians that may be going through symbols on a regular basis because they're in a heavy band and they choose to play thin symbols and they're cracking them or whatever. For most people, once you get your gear, like I, I told you this on a conversation a while ago, Chris. I've been a minor artist for almost a decade, and I've cracked one cymbal, and that's with my drum camps and my campers smashing on my cymbals. So once I have my gear, I don't really need anything else gear-wise. What I do need is the association. And Eddie and I have talked a million times. If we are in the business, I mean, Eddie and I are entrepreneurs that are trying to promote ourselves because we offer a service. We both offer online drum lessons. Well, Eddie Thrower has a weight to it. Tama artist Eddie Thrower has a much bigger weight to it because of the last however many years and decades that Tama has put into building their company. 
And honestly, Minel artist Mike Johnston has more weight to it because of all the artists that came before me, because of all the product that you guys are indeed, because of the A&Rs, because of the entire team. And I get to just grab all your hard work since, you know, Mr. Minel started it and just put it on my name, Minel artist Mike Johnston. And I think that if you as a potential artist don't value that and don't see that as the biggest prize of this whole thing and you're just focused on a new 8-inch splash symbol, you're missing the whole point. Because once you have that weight attached to your name, you can really make a mark in the industry. Uh, I can I can go to stores and say, would you be interested in having me as a clinician uh, because I am a Gretsch artist and a minor artist? And if, if I was just like, if I said, would you be interested in having me because I'm like super good? <laughs> They would say no. It would be over. There'd be it's game over. Like if I just told them how fast I was on a ten inch tom, it's over. But if I can say that I'm an artist of these companies, it works a little bit better. So, Chris, we have stolen enough of your time. I do want to leave with one last thing. What do you? What do you? Do you have anything to say to people that are almost on the cusp of earning an endorsement? And it really is something that they want. They do want to be associated with a company. They don't want free gear. They want to be called Gretsch artist, Tama artist, Minel artist, whatever. Do you have any advice for them? I would say don't make the endorsement <clears throat> your focus. I would say just do what you're doing and make sure, you know, if there's if there's a company that you want them to notice you, yeah, you can tag the shit out of them and annoy the shit out of them by doing it all the time. And and that's cool, I guess. Um, it kind so of So the best thing is to talk to you on day 4 of Nam. Correct. Yeah. It it becomes <laughs> a bit of a blur if uh you know it's like you almost just get lost uh in the shuffle when you just keep tagging people over and over again. Yeah. Find cool ways to let that company know you're out there. If you happen to find the info at minelusa.com, whatever, send an email and Put it out there like, hey, man, no expectations. I just want you to be aware of what I'm doing. If you ever find it to be valuable, great. Um, here's here's my Instagram page. Here's my YouTube channel. Here's the tour that I'm on. Here's the albums I've released. I would love to work with your company, but no expectations. So I know that sounds a little unrealistic because most people are like, dude, I want to be a minor artist. Here's what I'm doing and sign me. Um, I would just say... Play it cool and focus on your career first. Yeah. The the endorsement will supplement what you do through uh, awareness and through help and, and the affiliation, like you said. But it's not going to make your career while you're spending all that time worrying about whether or not Minel's going to sign you or, or Tom is going to sign you. You could be focusing instead on hustling, like Eddie said. Yeah. Um, focus on your hustle just focus on putting food on your table and I feel like everything else will follow. Mate, it's such good advice, man. It's a really good I point, love man. that. And I... it's, the, it's the same with bands, mate. When, when, sorry to, you know, just butt in again, but when, um, when people ask about getting signed to a label, it's like, when should, oh, we've got this song. Should I message this manager? Should I approach this label? It's like, mate, they'll come when they'll come. Just keep on doing your thing. And I think that's amazing advice, mate. I think it's what people need to hear. For shout. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Uh, absolutely appreciate it. And it was just, I hope for all of you guys listening, I hope you got just something new. I hope you got a chance to hear an A&R actually talk about endorsements instead of people that already have endorsements that always say, dude, don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. And I'm like, okay, but that's like saying cool cars aren't that big of a deal, but you have a Ferrari. Like, I don't understand why don't, 
So getting to hear it from the actual A&R is pretty awesome. Thanks, so thanks a lot, buddy. Guys, Thank Mike, you, mate. Eddie, thanks for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Legend, you mate. Got it, brother. All it. right, man. We'll talk to you later. Okay. What a legend, mate. What a legend. Ah, oh, that was awesome, man. I mean, that's, you know, it's such a polar opposite from what we did with Charlie, where it was just fun and bubbly and we're bouncing off the walls. And this was like, okay, look, some of us need to hear some hard truths. Let's get into the reality of endorsements and the reality of the business that is running in the background of this thing that we love so much. It's it's happening, whether you want to admit it or not. And as, as soon as you understand the game that's being played, then you can play it properly and you can leverage it. You can take a lot from this episode, mate. If you're listening and you're thinking, right, how do I take things to the next level? Do exactly what we just said. It's just, mate, it's like, just like, yeah, hustle a little bit more, man. Just, just be creative, create content, use the road. Like I remember um, just quickly a few shows probably like 10 years ago. And I'm like, why the flip did I not have a GoPro with me, mate? Do you know what I mean? Why not? Um, and I can safely say from from my experience, the minute I just switched and I brought a GoPro everywhere with me and every time, the band always had a photographer, but I used to literally say, mate, look, come here, mate. I'll pay you an extra 50 quid. Just take a couple of pictures of my kit, take a few of me playing. Um, and it made, the, it made the world of difference to my career. Oh, then you became Overnight. valuable to the companies. Overnight, mate. Completely different. When I just started to think I need to make a little bit, not even I need to, I want to make a little bit of an effort and I want to just create some cool fucking drum nerdery content. So if you're listening, just geek out, make content that you want to see. Put yourself in that sort of consumer um, yeah, position. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say before we bounce is I, I meant to ask Chris about this. I just didn't get a chance to, but... Please, if you do write a letter to Zildjian or to Meinl or Peisty or whoever or a drum company, please stop there. Do not also write Sabian and Istanbul Agap. These people are all friends. They will know like, oh, yeah, he hit me up, too. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. And he hit me up, too. They all know each other. It's a very small industry. Choose your companies wisely. Go 100% in. And if you can't get endorsed by the company you want to be endorsed by, then you need to work harder. I hope you guys enjoyed this. If this episode brought you value, please check out our Patreon page. Please become a Patreon. It is our family. It is our community. And we are having a blast with the Patreon. So just hit up patreon.com forward slash drum with Mike, the word and Eddie. And we will see you guys later. Episode something is in the can. <laughs> it's something now. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> I have no idea where we are anymore. <laughs> All right, get the hell out of here. Woo! I, don't know why, I don't know why I clapped on the end, but there we go. And I'll take it. stop recording. Three, two, one.